0: no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law eighteen plus terms and conditions apply see website for details scales of iron and brass and its foul tail so long that it could reach the very stars cast those sacred things to earth and trample them beneath its feet the woeful dwarf when thus he saw his master fall took up his arms his silver shield and spear and fled away he had not travelled far when he did come at last on una fleeing from the lawless sans clutch much it rued the dwarf to tell his mistress all the tale of what had chanced to her dear knight and much it rued fair una to hear yet still she was resolved never to stay from going forward and alive or dead to find her knight high over hills and low adown the dale she wandered many a wood and measured many a vale at last she chanced to meet a goodly knight "'Marching by the way, together with his squire.' his glittering armour shone from far and across his breast he wore a baldric shining with precious stones his sword was buckled with a golden thong its sheath of ivory curiously carved its hilt of burnished gold its handle bright with mother of pearl his golden helmet was surmounted by a dragon with golden wings and over all waved high a bunch of vari-coloured hairs sprinkled with pearls and gold His warlike shield was closely covered from sight, and might never be seen of mortal eyes, for it was made of diamond, dazzling, pure and clean, and ached so hard, that no spear-point could ever pierce it. No magic arts against that shield had any power, but all that was not truly as it seemed to sight, faded and fell before it. When as this knight by name prince arthur drew near to una he greeted her full courteously but from her answer's loath he saw some secret sorrow troubled her thus with kind words and gentle he won her to tell him all her woeful tale and hearing how her knight lay languishing in a dungeon in power of that huge giant orgolio he bade her be of cheer and he vowed he would not forsake her in her need until he had acquitted her captive knight thus they two fared forth together with the dwarf their guide and so they came unto orgolio's castle there the noble knight alighted from his steed and bade the lady stay to see what fortune should befall him in the fight so with his squire he marched forward to the castle wall but the gates they found fast shut and no warder was there to guard the same nor was there any answer to their calls then the squire took up a little horn that hung at his side by a rope of twisted gold with gayest tassels it was a wondrous horn for three miles round its blast was heard and no enchantments or deceits could stand before it no gate was so strong no lock so firm and fast but that before that piercing noise it flew wide open before the giant's gate prince arthur's squire now blew that horn all the castle quaked upon the ground and every door sprang open the giant himself dallying with duessa in a flowery bower was sore dismayed and came rushing forth duessa following high mounted on her beast whose every head did flame with fiery tongue when the knight beheld orgoglio approach he flew fiercely toward him orgoglio lifting up his dreadful club all armed with ragged snubs and knots thought to have slain him with a single blow but weary arthur leapt aside so that the mighty mace missing its mark embedded itself within the earth and while the giant bending struggled to free the encumbered club prince arthur with his shining blade clove off his left arm so that the giant roared and bellowed with rage and pain then came duessa rushing with her beast to the defence of orgoglio ramping and threatening all his heads like flaming brands he came but arthur's squire did meet him with his single sword and like a bulwark stood fending that beast off from his lord then false duessa full of wrath took from a golden cup which she still bore from working magic arts a secret poison that she sprinkled on the squire so that his strength and courage fled and he fell helpless to the ground when the good knight saw his beloved squire fallen at the mercy of that cruel beast he left orgoglio and turned to save the squire with his stout blade he smote one of the monster's heads and clove it to the teeth thereat the creature ramped and scourged the empty air with his long tail and would have cast his rider from his back had not the giant come to succour her with all the force of his two arms now joined in one he raised his club and smote prince arthur on the shield so that he held him to the ground yet in his fall the veil that covered his blazing shield was rent asunder and lo such dazzling brightness smote the giant's eyes he let his arm fall down that he had raised to slay the knight and likewise that foul beast was blinded by the light and tumbled to the earth to yield him conquered in answer to Duessa's screams Orgolio sought once more to raise his mace it was in vain in the flashing beams of that bright shield he had no power to strike nor to defend and so prince arthur slew him but when the breath was gone from out that blustering boastful giant his huge great body shrunk and shrivelled up and vanished quite and of that monstrous mass was nothing left save like an empty bladder when the false duessa saw her champion fall she sought to flee away but that light-footed squire gave chase and brought her back as prisoner to his lord the lovely una having seen all this from far came hurrying up to greet the victor then prince arthur entered without delay into the castle none but a doting old porter most ignorant and infirm stood there to bar his passage and so he passed him by and made his way through all the length and breadth of that rich castle nowhere did he find the red cross knight until he came at last unto a fast locked door wherein there was a little grate through this he called to know if there was any living white within therewith a hollow dreary voice made answer with a piteous plaint then filled with pity and with horror the champion rent asunder the iron door with furious force he entered in but found no floor beneath his feet instead he dimly saw a deep descent as dark as hell from whence a baneful smell breathed forth but neither darkness filthy bands nor noisome smells could withhold arthur from his purpose pure with constant zeal and boldest courage he found the means to lift the prisoner up although the thighs of that good red cross knight had grown so feeble from his long durance in that hole that he could little help himself his sad dull eyes deep sunk in hollow pits could scarce endure the light his cheeks were thin and bare his arms raw-boned that once had been so strong yet when his lady saw him once again whom she had sought so long despite his dolorous look she flew to him with hasty joy and cried welcome my lord in weal or woe then arthur showed him where his foe lay dead and that false dame stood conquered who had been the root of all his woes now it is in your power quoth he to let her live or die it were a shame quoth una to avenge ourselves on one so weak slay her not but despoil her of her robe and let her fly so they stripped the witch of all her royal robes and ornaments and jewels and when she stood despoiled of all this outward show their eyes beheld her truly as she was a loathly, wrinkled hag ill-favoured fearsome old her gums all toothless and her head quite bald she had a fox's tail and monstrous feet one like an eagle's claw one like a bear such then, said Una, as she seemeth here, such is the face of falsehood, such the sight of foul duessa when her borrows light is laid away and counterfeiting known. Thus unmasked, and knowing all men saw her as she was, the false witch fled to the wilderness to hide her shame in rocks and caves. But Una and the two knights abode for a space within the castle to rest themselves. Then those two knights swore true friendship to one another and parted to go their several ways una and her knight set forth once more to rescue una's parents from the dragon yet sooner down the long white road they saw come galloping toward them fast a knight dishevelled pale his hair on end for horror about his neck he wore a hempen rope and seemed to flee as if in terror of some fearsome thing scarce could the red cross knight prevail on him to stay and tell his tale he fled he said from an old man who had met him and a friend of his returning from a quest whereon they had not met success and that old man had spoken first with honey words but later subtly cunningly he argued that they too were good for naught could never don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket